Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Suppose you could ask God one question. What would it be? I mean, I think all of us have questions. We want to know why, and we want to know when is this going to happen. Uh, and we mull over our experiences, and we try to figure out what's going on in the grand scheme of things. Well, today we're continuing our series called You Ask It, and this stemmed from our Easter uh, experiment where we invited you to take cards just like this on Easter and ask questions. Now, we received hundreds and hundreds of these questions, hundreds. And so uh, we've been going through them and just trying to uh, let you determine the topic and what you want to talk about. Today's Mother's Day, and a lot of questions came in about relationships. So some of our uh, topic today will be about parenting. It'll be about relationships. It'll be about getting along together and so forth. And so let's just get started. Patty and I have been married 36 years, almost 37 years. Here's our family. Uh, this is Stuart, our oldest. That's Sam. Uh, of course, that's Patty, and then uh, Drew and Sarah, and then this is Summit, um, and uh, that's Forrest, and we have another one on the way, or Sarah has another one on the way in November. And so we don't know what that one's going to be yet, but we're waiting with eager anticipation. And so when you look at this family, so many times people look at us and say, oh, that's the perfect family, but let me say this, uh, this is a Facebook post. Facebook posts aren't perfect. Instagram uh, posts aren't perfect. I mean, when you look at this family, you need to understand uh, that we're normal. We have issues. We get frustrated with each other. We can be pushy. We can get our feelings hurt. And sometimes we say too much. And sometimes we don't say enough. And here's what I know about family. Family can be messy. Okay, family can be messy and parenting can be hard. Parenting's hard. Did you hear about the young mom who had three rambunctious, notorious children and uh, somebody noticed that and said, hey, would you have children if you had it to do all over again? She said, yeah, but not the same ones. (laughs) (laughs) And so none of us have perfect families. And my goal today is just to kind of encourage you along the way and just to kind of open up our eyes to to understanding that there is a power that is greater than ourselves. It's the power of the Lord that's going to help us uh, really be better people. And as a result of being better people, I think we'll be better parents and, and grandparents and family members. And so there's a number of questions that we're going to just dive in. Here's the first question. Um, and the first question is, what is the most important thing that I can do for my family? What's the most important thing that I can do for my family? There's a lot of things that you can do. But over the last uh, 30 plus years, there's one thing that I believe that we have done that has helped us to get to where we are, and that is to commit our family to prayer. Uh, look, we live in a challenging time, and you, you need God more than you think you do. And I just want to encourage you, and you say, well, you know, what would I pray? What does that conversation look like? Because I realize that prayer uh, is foreign to uh, some folks here at the creek. 
And, but prayer is just a conversation. It's a conversation between you and God. But it's not only talking to him, but it's, it's pausing to listen to him. And I always encourage people, where do you get started? Just carve out five minutes tomorrow. Just five minutes. And just begin that process of, of talking and listening. But I want to give you four uh, prayers that I believe that will strengthen your family. Very quickly, four prayers that will strengthen your family. Uh, the first one is, God, give me a vibrant faith. God, give me that vibrant faith. I believe that when you put God first in your life, your life is going to be better. Because whatever you want to, uh, for God to bless, here's what we know. Whatever you want uh, for, for God to bless in your life, uh, you put him first in that area. If you want God to bless your family, just put him first in your family. And then when you do this, your life is going to change. And I think God will give you a vibrant faith. I said there's four prayers. I think if we will pray these prayers, and you can fill out... Uh, the blanks just so that you can carry it with you. Here's a second one. God, give me a stable home. Give me a stable home. Uh, we live in a world that's changing a lot. And so many times uh, we wonder if we can even hold on. And we need that stability, that stability that when we walk through the doors at home, that we feel that, that strength and we feel that stability. And so uh, how do you do that? I think you, you've, you build routines in your family. I think you open up um, the methods of communication so that you can uh, communicate with each other. I think you communicate values. I think your family needs to be built on a solid foundation of core values. Here's a third thing I would say. I pray, oh God, give me the words to say. Give me the words to say. This is my prayer often. Give me the words to say. And the reason this is important is that words are powerful. With your words, you can tear somebody down. And with your words, you can build somebody else up. And I want you to be builders. I want you to inspire. I want you to build people up. And so um, I often say, God, give me the words to say as I deal with this challenging situation, as I deal with this uh, uh, situation at work or wherever, God, give me the words to say. And when you're open to those promptings, I think he will lead you into the conversations that you need to be, and your words can be powerful. Here's the fourth prayer. We're talking about just... Uh, the thing that is most important uh, that I can do for my family is pray, and I pray four, four prayers. God, give me an opportunity to make a difference. Make a difference in this world. Um, so we pray about our influence. You pray about your influence. And do you know that I believe that the greatest influence you have is that influence of being a mother or that influence of being a father? And so you are shaping the next generation, and so we celebrate that. Uh, today and we you know we honor the fact that that you matter and and moms matter and I just want you to understand that responsibility and I know you do every mom feels that responsibility and that's why you're here and that's why you you've written so many questions about parenting and so forth because you just want to do it right and so I would say incorporate prayer here's the second th question how do you get family your family to openly pray together Okay, how do you get your family to openly pray together? Now, let me say this. Don't overthink this, okay? Don't overcomplicate this. I want you to just be very practical. Where do you start praying? If you, let's say you haven't ever incorporated prayer in your life. Here's where you start. Start at mealtime and start at bedtime. Mealtime. You know, because even if you don't understand God, Jesus, um, Christmas and Easter and all of that, there's a cultural thing in the South specifically, or if you watch Blue Bloods, um, 
on CBS on Friday night, you'll see that they will say the blessing, right? I appreciate the show because they simply say the blessing. Um, so use that mealtime to introduce the concept to prayer. Uh, some time ago, uh, Sam, my son, said, Dad, why do we uh, pray over our food? Um, and I had to think about that because uh, I didn't want to give him the wrong answer. So I, I took a few hours or maybe a couple of days to think about it. And I said, we do that because we follow Scripture. Oftentimes in Scripture, you'll see when uh, Jesus did the Last uh, Supper, what did he do? He broke the bread and he blessed it. He, he took the cup and blessed it. We see when he had the... the um, he... Um, wanted to feed the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves. What did he do? He blessed that, and we saw it multiply. And so it, it, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus of saying, thank you, thank you for giving us this. So begin at mealtime, also begin at bedtime, and you can start this as a child of saying prayers at nighttime. These are just simple ways that we start to introduce prayer into our lives. And I want you to pray more than that, but I want you to start somewhere, and that's a good place to start. Um, I think other times, look at times in your life uh, where uh, uh, you need prayer, like uh, when a loved one is sick. That's an appropriate time. Let's, let's pray for grandma. Let's pray for granddad. You know, just think, follow that. When somebody's going on a trip, when you're, you're um, sending somebody off to college, use those times and say, I think it's appropriate if we say a prayer over you. I am trying to get you to think about natural times of your life that you can incorporate prayer. Now, when, years ago, when Patty and I were first married, uh, we wanted to do the prayer as a couple together. Uh, and so we're going to pray together, and we were, we'd, uh, before we go to bed, we'd hold hands, we'd pray together, and uh, we each have our own prayer posture. But as we were trying to do that, uh, Patty said, I don't want to pray with you. <laughs> I'm like, what? She said, you pray too loud, and it's confusing to me. <laughs> And so just understand your prayer flow and uh, just there's a lot of different ways to do that, okay? And so let's uh, jump in. So next question is, how do you put God at the center of your marriage? I think, first of all, you just ask Jesus to be the leader of your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus, first of all, on you, okay? Let's just, how can Jesus be the center of your life? Then if we can get you... uh, uh, growing and, and giving, that then, then I think it will overflow into your relationships and your family. So, first of all, uh, put, make Jesus the leader of your life. And, and I pray this oftentimes in two-word prayers like this. God, guide me, okay? God, help me. God, lead me. You see, so many times we overcomplicate prayers. And so uh, uh, for Jesus to be the center of my life, God, guide me. God, uh, show me which door I'm supposed to walk through. God, lead me. Guide me. Again, let's bring this down to where we live. And I want to strive to live uh, and, uh, like Christ and to follow in his footsteps. And so as I go through the day, you have to ask yourself, you know, if Jesus were spending the day with me, you know, would I change how I lived? I mean, would I watch different shows? Would I uh, speak differently? Uh, would I do things differently? Think about that. I want you to remove any kind of barrier that keeps you from growing in your faith. And so let's get yourself centered in Christ and then start working on that relationship. The question was, how do you put God at the center of my marriage? And then you start to uh, put God first, that you schedule times in for God in your family calendar, okay? That you make, um, you make Sundays important. 
that you make spiritual growth uh, important, maybe a small group that's important. So start doing those things and you'll start to see God's not going to move, but you'll start to move uh, toward him. And when you move toward him, you'll see an increased blessing uh, in your life. Okay, let's move on. Okay, how about this one? And this question came in several different times, five or six or eight, maybe more than that. And it was asked in several different ways, but it's really the same question. Here it is. How do I get my child to want to go to church? That's a real question, especially today, because some of you, you had this vision of today, because today's Mother's Day, and you look beautiful. And in your mind, you're thinking, I got to get the kids ready, because today's Mother's Day, and we're going to get a Mother's Day picture at the church, uh, and we're going to post it today on Facebook, and we're going to say, Happy Mother's Day. That's what you do, isn't it? I'm telling you, the rock out in front of Stevens Creek Church is probably one of the most photographed uh, places in all of the CSRA. That's true. I see it all the time. And I, thank you. Thank you. Um, so anyway, so you've got this in mind, and you've got this perfect meal, and, and you forget that, that uh, 10,000 other people are going to go to the same restaurant as you and they have this idea of a perfect meal, and everybody can't get in at the same time. So you've got all of this going on, but then life happens because you, the, uh, your child doesn't want to get dressed, and they don't want to wear this dress, and they don't want to do this, and they don't. And all of a sudden, it's a challenge. Well, today is a special day. Uh, every day is not like this, but let's think about that. How do I get my child to want to go to church? Simple things. I want you to be positive when, when you talk about church. I want you to be positive. I want you to speak life. I want you to take uh, church and make it attractive to them. Do you know when you do that, you're actually following Scripture? In Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, it said, So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. And so I think that, uh, that your children will follow your lead. And so I want you to make it attractive. I want you to be positive when you're talking about church. I want you to build church into your routine. Um, you know, it's really, it was never a discussion when I was growing up or even in our household. We never asked the question, hey, you want to go to church tomorrow? In the same way, my parents never asked me, hey, do you want to go to school tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, you know, and so many times we say, hey, do you want to go to church tomorrow, we give them an opportunity to say no, but we would never think about, hey, do you want to go to school tomorrow? And so you think, you need to think about like, you know, going to church should be like personal hygiene. You need to do it at least once a week. <laughs> so just think about that. That's a very practical thing, uh, hygiene that is. No. Uh, but I want you just to... Let church be a part of, uh, of your family and that you're saying that Sundays are important. And so make that. I think you create opportunities for your kids to make friends with kids that value and love the church. You know, as a parent, one of your biggest responsibilities is to shape uh, that child's life. And I'm telling you, my wife, Patty, she kept her eyes open specifically to the friends that our kids had. 
Because she understands the Bible that says, you know, that bad company corrupts good character. That's in the Bible. Bad company corrupts good character. And so she's always navigating relationships. You can't mandate something. Uh, but moms have this mom intuition. And they can kind of uh, open doors for, for positive relationships to grow and quietly close doors for negative relationships to not grow. And so you've got to be wise in that. And so I would encourage you to, to lead your kids and to encourage them in relationships that value those things that you value, that value faith and value family and, and value respect. And you start to lead your kids in that direction. Hey, one way to do that is get your kids involved in summer camp, creeksummercamp.com. Uh, the second week of June, we've got a day camp that goes like from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it is for elementary school students and some middle school students. And, and you know, when they, you come to camp like that and they make friends, and then the church experience even grows deeper because they've got people that they're in relationship with. I think also, how about this, um, our overnight camp. For middle school and high school students in July 9th through 12th. And you say, Marty, this sounds like a commercial. It is. This is a commercial. This message is brought to you by creeksummercamp.com. And so uh, I want you to register your kids because it's, I know when I look back at my life, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp. I was called into the ministry at youth camp. I think when we step aside for an overnight camp, it really gives us an opportunity uh, to connect with the Lord uh, with people of our own age and uh, in a special way. And so do that. I want to encourage you to do that. You develop relationships. Hey, here's something you probably hadn't thought about. If you have an 11th grader, current 11th grader, or a current 12th grader, which means a rising senior or a rising college student, consider enrolling them in a two-week program called Lee University Summer Honors. Uh, you've got to have a 3.2 GPA, and this is a commercial. Um, but we sent Sarah and Stuart uh, to that, and it really helped change their lives because they started, they had a taste of college before they got there. And so you need to kind of introduce the concept of college to them. And this two-week program will give you six credit hours that you'll be able to transfer to any university. Uh, Stuart transferred his to the University of South Carolina. And so I just would encourage you to do that, but we're going to do more than encourage you. If, if you have a student in that age group, uh, Patty and I will uh, pay for it for you because uh, we believe in that. And so I just want you to think about it, uh, but you've got to move quickly. Now, we're not going to take your kids up there. You've got to get your kids uh, to leave, uh, but everything else will be taken care of. But, um, but you've got to do it by Wednesday. Okay, uh, by Wednesday, you can just send me a note at info at stevenscreekchurch.com. Why do we even say all that? Because to me, shaping the next generation is so important that I want to invest my time and my energies and my resources. And, and we as a congregation have to do whatever we can um, and to pass the torch that um, people matter to God and if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us and that we're as a church, we're going to love God, we're going to love people, we're going to serve the world. And so this is a lot bigger picture. It's a bigger picture than we uh, can talk about on Mother's Day, but let's uh, move on. So the next section is called uh, the lightning round, okay? And this is where I will take as many questions as I can, and I'm going to speed through these, and I'll talk about it as quick as I can. Now, a funny thing happened last week um, because I called it 
and Todd was watching in the back uh, on video, and, uh, and it was a close-up of my face, and I called it the lightning rod. And, and I said that, and he saw that he knows me, and he, he could see that there's question marks in my eye, like, you know how you say something, and you hear yourself say something, and you know that's not right, but you don't know what is right? That was that last week. And so I said, let's get ready for the lightning rod. And then I'm thinking like, what was I supposed to say there? And so and I, what's up with that? Here's what's up with that. Let's roll the clock back t- uh, to the 1970s. Grandparents, listen to me, okay, because you'll remember. In the 1970s, uh, there was a craze across America called the CB radio. How many of you had a CB radio? Anybody in the house? All the grandparents. Yeah, wave at me. Grandparents all over the place. You had CB radios. Well, in that CB radio sphere, you had handles. A handle is a name. Well, my name was the lightning rod. So apparently, I am up preaching, okay, and I'm trying to get to the lightning round. I go back into the uh, file cabinet of my mind, and I pull out the lightning rod, and that's why I was so confused. Okay, lightning round, brought to you by lightningrod.com. Okay, um, how do you know if it's God or the devil speaking to you? That's actually a great question. Now, sometimes I ask that, okay, God, is this you or the devil? And the reason I ask that, because the Bible says that Satan can come as an angel of light to deceive the very elect. So how do you know? So you get this prompting. You get this premonition. You try to figure, okay, what's going on here? This didn't come from me. Who? Okay, I want you to take that prompting, and I want you to weigh it against Scripture. Has something like this ever been communicated before? Okay? Then, uh, if you find it in Scripture, press on with it. Or I want you to talk to two or three friends that are godly and have the Spirit of God in them and just ask them. The Bible says that you can weigh things by the mouth of two or three witnesses. So you have this prompting. So you can start to discern, is this God or the devil? That is a great question for you to ask. Um, So when I think about that, you know, it, it brings up the concept of what's the difference between trials and temptations. Temptations are from the devil. They're designed to take you down. Trials are often given to you by God that are designed to build character and lift you up. And so I want you to be lifted up. Okay. All right. What does the Bible say about spanking? And why is our culture against this? Woo, that's one of those hot potato ones, isn't it? Okay. Spanking. Let me just give you some. uh, This is one of my opinions on this. No, no. Back up. There is scripture to base this up. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 24 said, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline this, careful. Because I want you to be careful as you discipline them. So the question was, why uh, is our culture against spanking? Here's why the culture is against it. Because it's been misused. Because it's been misused and the culture's trying to correct it. So let's, if, if this if discipline's a pendulum, you know, it's over here in, in one generation, then it swings over here, and then we're just trying to, to correct that. 
So culture is uh, correcting the overuse of uh, this method of discipline. Now, let me say this very practically. You know, when uh, our kids were small, we spanked. I'll never forget, there's days that Sarah, when I would wake her up and say, hey, baby, it's time to get up, and she would look at me. She said, Daddy, please spank me. Spank me right now. Of course, I would say to her, no, Sarah, I can't spank you. I can't. And then we'd go, and we'd have breakfast, and she would ask me again, will you please spank me? And then when we'd try to get her uh, dressed, and, you know, we'd want her to wear one dress, but she would want to wear another dress. Uh, and then she would ask me, Daddy, please spank me. And all throughout the day, over and over, she would ask that. And we would just ignore her. Are, are you a kid? You don't really know what you're talking about. But by the time 5, 6 o'clock, you know, we'd worked all day, and we came home, and she asked again. We just said, fine. And, and, and we gave her what she's been asking for all day. We just gave in. And all of a sudden, everything is right with the world. Sweet, kind, beautiful, all of that. And that is true. There's times that we felt like Jesus. So, and we did that. One day, I, I picked her up and I popped her on the leg. And after I popped her on the leg a few minutes, I noticed my handprint on her leg. And I don't know if I ever spanked her after that. I'm sure Patty did many times. But, uh, but, um, but yeah, it got my attention. Um, and so I think you've got to understand how to communicate to your children in a way that they can grow through it. And I think restrictions are great, especially if they're teenagers. I think uh, timeout works. I think you've got to figure that out. I know this. You love your children and you love them enough to help guide their pathway. And so, yes, sometimes you're going to make mistakes uh, because none of us are perfect parents, um, but you can figure this out with some trial and error. Is that good? Okay, here's one that really touched my heart, really touched my heart. This is about children too. I said, my baby's sick. My baby's sick, and am I being punished for my sins? That breaks my heart. Here's another one. It said... Um, is my kid suffering because of the sinful choices that I make? And uh, let me say to this, you know, your baby may be sick, you may have, uh, your baby may have disabilities or whatever. Uh, I, want, I want you to be very clear. Your sinful mistakes and choices did not cause your baby to be sick. Your baby is sick, uh, like we've talked about. We live in a, a broken world. And, and there are sick people and people that struggle all across this auditorium. And I am so sorry that your child is suffering like that. But you didn't cause that. Hear me. You didn't cause it. But th you're not the first person to ever ask this question. Actually, the disciples asked this question to Jesus in John chapter 9 and verse 1. He said, as he went along... He saw a blind man from birth. He's, this guy's been blind all of his life. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, these are the guys with him all the time, ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? Because they, they had already figured somebody sinned around here. I wonder what they did. Who sinned? This man, or maybe it was his parents, uh, that he was born blind. Because they were saying, no doubt somebody caused this. Next one. Jesus said this, neither one of them. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So God had a purpose behind that, that, uh, that, uh, that blindness, and he was going to display his uh, kingdom power in that. So let me just say, I am sorry that you're hurting, but do not walk out of here with extra guilt. This is not your fault. 
not your fault. Okay, here's another interesting, two, two of these, like, when they come in pairs like this, is kind of interesting. So, um, I was raised Methodist, and my wife was uh, Catholic. Um, does it even matter? And uh, what church should we go to? Here's another one that says, hey, we're trying to figure out uh, if we should make the move. It said, I'm Methodist, and uh, should we go to a non-traditional church? Okay. So, this is, um, you're asking a Church of God pastor if you should go to the Methodist church. Go figure. Here's what I'd say to you. Uh, I want you to find a church where you can sense the presence of the Lord, where you can learn the scriptures. I want you to find a place where you can serve and where you can be a part of a spiritual family and committed to that. I would love for that to be at Stevens Creek, but I'm telling you there's a lot of great churches in this community. And, um, you know, go after it. You know, Patty and I have... uh, always last when our kids were growing up, you know, we thought if Stevens Creek wasn't here, we'd end, probably end up at New Hope or, or Wesley Methodist, and I've even gone on a missions trip with them, so uh, interesting question that made me laugh. Here's another one that made me laugh. How about this one? Uh, Pastor Marty, uh, I love Pastor Marty's deep understanding of the Bible, okay? Deep understanding of the Bible. Okay, next one. It says, why do our pastor, why didn't he get deeper? Why does he always put God in a box? And so, uh, seriously, those are two that came in this week. And so, um, go figure. I don't know. If you pray for me a little bit more, maybe I can go deeper. Okay, other questions. Um, This is about how do I find balance between career and family? Uh, what about male and female roles? And and a lot of that, because we live in the real world and... um, Here's what I would say. When you're starting to create balance in your family, I just want you to establish some limits, and I want you to establish some boundaries. You can't be involved in every activity and still keep peace in the home. And so you've got to really watch that. And uh, when our kids were growing up, we tried to uh, focus their attention, let's say, on one sport, not on three sports. And granted, we learned that because we have done the three sports in a uh, year before. And so you learn how you can keep the family peace by, uh, by limiting your schedule time. I think that, um, that you need to watch your schedule and that you need to make the most of every opportunity that you do have. Some of you travel during the week, and so therefore when you're at home, you need to make the most out of that time. And you need to look at routines that you can do, and maybe those routines will be bedtime routines, but if you travel, maybe those would be times away where you really have um, a lot of time with your kids to develop that balance there. Now, very practically, male and female roles, I think you've got to look at the season of your life because the season of your life, it changes. There, there's times when we had small kids that Patty was at home. She worked uh, out of the house and so forth. But, you know, our life has changed. Um, and so we're focused and, you know, we're coming to an end of a season for three years where uh, in our software company that it's been all in hands on deck and Patty's managed 21 people in Charleston and 20 people here. And, and when she's all in there, and thankfully that's coming to a close this week, um, all in there, that means the roles of the house have to change. So she doesn't cook. I cook. I go to the grocery store. 
And so you may see me at Publix or Aldi's or, or wherever. And because it's just a season. And you've got to look at your family and you've got to look at the responsibilities. This is where I want you to think about. Look at the responsibilities. Your family is a business, okay? And you've got to look at the responsibilities of your family. Who best meets the needs um, of those responsibilities? Who best can do that? Figure that out, divvy it up, and work together to, uh, uh, to raise those kids, to keep that, to, uh, to love your grandkids, and to, to live that happy life. But figure that out. But it starts with a conversation. You've got to always, as you're growing through this, you can be extremely busy. But I'll tell you, you've got to work at being friends with each other. You've got to work. You've got to have common interest. And, and so many couples, you know, all of a sudden after the kids are raised, they look at each other. They don't even know each other. And so if you don't want that to happen to you, you've got to start earlier before the kids graduate. And you've got to start developing common interests so that you can look into the eyes of that spouse and know I am looking into the eyes of my best friend. But that doesn't just happen. You've got to work at it, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, how about this one? What's the best way for, for a, a Christian single to meet their future spouse? Okay? Okay, I thought about this, to have all the singles stand up and just look around. Okay? And so, um, but I do have a practical thing on that. Here's one thing. Um, why don't you consider serving somewhere? Why don't you consider serving and just maybe in, you'll find somebody with a like a mind. I mean, that serving could be in our youth ministry. It could be in our children's ministry. It may be at the Dream Center where you're sunder, serving the under-resourced of our community. It could be in, uh, not even here on this property. It could be serving in another area. But you'll start let your heart lead you, and then you'll start to see other people that have like minds, and who knows what will happen. Okay, the next one. Okay, what does God say about interracial marriages? Okay, black, white, Indian, Oriental. If you're Hispanic, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they left you out. I'm not going to leave you out, though. Um, and so, you know, this was a big deal in the, um, in the, the South of 50, 60 years ago. I was kind of surprised to see that it, it came up. But let's talk about that. Uh, what does the Bible say? You know, the Bible actually talks about this. It actually has a section uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, in Numbers chapter 12, I read it this morning so I can refresh my memory with it. But Moses, remember Moses? Moses, he's a big guy, split the Red Sea and all that stuff. Now, there came a point in his life when Moses, I would imagine he's olive-colored skin, Middle Eastern, um, he married, Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, he married an Ethiopian woman. So probably an Ethiopian woman had a darker complexion. Okay, his brother and sister did not like it at all. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Didn't like it at all. They started complaining about it, and God got involved in it. And God got involved in it to the point where he struck Miriam um, and Aaron with leprosy. Because they came against this interracial marriage. And the only way they were healed of that is that they had to come and ask for forgiveness. And when they asked for forgiveness and accepted her, they were healed. 
You can read it for yourself, Numbers chapter 12 and the verses 1 through 12 or so. And so anyway, uh, sometimes we have issues, but God doesn't have an issue. When you think about it, Noah, if everybody died in the flood, except Noah's family, we're all from Noah's family. Okay. And so um, I don't think the challenge to me, now I can't tell you what you think. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't think it would be the color of the skin as much as the challenge that we have to embrace other cultures. Uh, And so uh, there has to be uh, a, a merging of cultures. And so too many times we look at the outward. God doesn't look at, he looks at the inward. And so go after the Lord. And uh, how about this? Uh, just focus on his will and going after him, and God's going to help you. Now, if you're an interracial couple, folks, there's uh, Stevens Creek. Uh, we're open to all. And so, and we can prove that by just looking around. I just thought that was an interesting question. I hear the music, which means that I've got to stop. And so, um, interesting ones. Here's what we'll do. Um, how to, uh, in, does God say anything about keeping up your mo- with your money? Yeah, he says to know the condition of your flocks. Um, are we the only ones in the universe? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know Jesus gave his life uh, for us and so that we can be connected to his universe. Okay, I think some of these are fun, but some of these really hit at the core of where we live. And it's my prayer today that God will strengthen us and help us Help us to be the people that he wants us to be. And that's my prayer today for you as families, that today would be special. That you would just hug that loved one just a little tighter. That you'd make that phone call, that you'd send that, that picture and just say thanks for all you do. That we let this day be a day, even in our pain, even if you're a stepmom and feel overlooked, even if you have recently lost your mother, even if you're like me who I'll go to uh, the home today and I'll talk to my mom and she's got Alzheimer's and she, she'll know me, but she won't be able to put a sentence together that makes sense always. And so just hold on and realize that we have had this treasure in our families and that God has blessed us with that. And I want you just to be open to receive that blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. And I just thank you for these families that are here. And I thank you, God, for this church family. Move upon our lives. God, strengthen us. And where we are weak, I ask that you would make us strong. And God, where we're broken, I ask that you would bring healing. And God, I pray right now for those that are weak today, that you would give strength. And we receive this. And we say, in the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.